2: Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, December 28th. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Dr. Nancy Mullen. Our topic today, Bacterial Imbalances, Aluminum, the Gut, and Seizures. Dr. Nancy Mullen received her medical degree from Tufts, completed a residency in psychiatry and a fellowship in child psychiatry at the University of Chicago Hospitals and Clinics and began a private practice in adult and child psychiatry. Dr. Mullen attended the Chicago Institute for Psychoanalysis and was an associate attending physician at Michael Reese Hospital and Medical Center, where she became a clinical instructor in psychosomatic medicine. After coming to Los Angeles, Dr. Mullen joined the staff at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center and was a clinical instructor at the UCLA School of Medicine. She became an attending physician at Providence Saint Joseph Medical Center, pursuing psychosomatic medicine. Currently, doctor Mullen practices nutritional medicine and psychiatry in Burbank, California, treating children on the autism spectrum and adults with neurologic, immunologic, metabolic and or gastroenterologic dysfunction that might otherwise be thought of as psychiatric illness. Doctor Mullen, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me again. Dr. Mullen, you start with a premise that gastrointestinal bacteria can harbor aluminum and heavy metals, and aluminum can produce seizures. Let's break this down. What's the difference between aluminum and heavy metals, and how can bacteria retain aluminum or heavy metals?
3: Uh, A heavy metal is a metal with a certain molecular weight. It has more protons in its Nucleus than lighter metals. It's just it's a it's a technical thing, and it just they just came to be called heavy metals because of their heavier their larger molecular weight. Aluminum is not a heavy metal um, because it doesn't have a very very many um, uh, many protons in its in its neutron and its nucleus, but. Um, uh, it's, so it has a light molecular rate, but it's still toxic. It doesn't you don't have to be a heavy, have a heavy molecular rate to be a toxic metal. Like mercury is heavy molecular rate and it's toxic. So it's a heavy metal. But aluminum is a light metal but still toxic. All
2: right? And how can bacteria retain aluminum or heavy
3: metals? Bacteria were; they incorporate it into the um, into their cytoplasm, into the material surround in their inside of their cell, surrounding the nucleus. It even gets into the DNA, into the into the nucleus and into the DNA. But they they incorporate it. In fact, um, this work was done. Oh, early, back in, save in ni- the 1950s or so, um, they were using bacteria to clean up spills, to clean up um, metals as a, as a detergent because the bacteria would take the metal into its cell and then you could clean get the bacteria away. It was a way of breaking up the metal and getting rid of it. So that's when a lot of work was done on on how bacteria sequester metals and virus sequester metals also. Especially staph will um, sequester aluminum. Uh, the most study has been done on staphylococcus sequestering aluminum, um, and so it takes the aluminum into its cytoplasm and then sits in your gastrointestinal tract. In your gastrointestinal tract, you have about one and a half, an adult has about one and a half to two kilograms of, of bacteria by dry weight. One, that's about, um, say, about three to four and a half pounds of bacteria in your body. That's a lot. And so, and if the bacteria, uh, and bacteria can be up to 50% metal by, if they dry it out, it can, 50% of its weight can be metal. So let's say conservatively, you can have a pound to a pound and a half of metal in your gastrointestinal tract if you have a lot of of bacteria in there, especially especially opportunistic and abnormal organisms. So the idea is get rid of the ab- opportunistic and abnormal organisms, and replace them with good normal flora that does not contain metal. It's a it's a process that goes on over time because even normal, even good bacteria can contain metal. But um, the, what you want to do is replace any bacteria in the gut that, that contains metal with good normal flora that does not contain metal and thereby reduce the toxic load on your body. Well. Obviously, in order to do that, you have to know that you're doing, you know, you have to do this intentionally. You have to think about this and um, also cease and desist from putting metal in your body in various forms.
2: Well, give me an example of a good bacteria that would not be harboring all of this metal.
3: Um, The bacteria in a probiotic. Okay, I mean, because today, I mean, you look up in the sky on any sunny days, and what you will see are chemtrails. You know, you see planes flying up there. Those planes are unmarked, okay? They have no numbers on them. Presumably they are sent out by the federal government, but there's not a lot of information that you can get on this. Um, You will see that they leave what looks like a jet stream behind them, but that jet stream stays in the stays in the atmosphere a long time and it is hydrophilic. It absorbs water and then it spreads out into a cloud. Presumably this is for agriculture to keep it from getting too hot for plants, to keep the plants from getting, you know, burnt in the sun. In any case, this material that they are persistently spraying in the sky um, it for, is aluminum and boron. When it, it it opens, it absorbs metal, and then um, it contains aluminum and boron, and then it gradually shifts down to earth. So there is aluminum covering everything. And, and with the, the mercury that's coming over from China, I mean, there's just metal all over the place. Now, how that, do metals interfere with biochemical pathways in the body? Oh, they knock out enzyme function. One of the most important, that methionine synthase, okay, that enzyme which is so talked about, the enzyme that puts the methylation, um, the methyl group, back onto homocysteine, to make it back into methionine, that um, tremendously important enzyme is totally not its function, is totally knocked out by low levels, nanogram levels of mercury, lead, cadmium, aluminum, and one other toxin: mercury, lead, cadmium, aluminum. What's the? F- I'll think of the fifth one and just well, silver is also toxic, but that's not one of the big five: mercury, lead, cadmium, aluminum, and one more. Okay. Okay. We've also uh,
2: in the past touched upon biofilm. What's that, and how does that work in with
3: what we've been talking about in the last few minutes? Okay. Biofilm is like a very organized, when, when a colony of bacteria, it's like a village as opposed to a city. Say um, um, a small colony of bacteria is like a village. Well, in bio, with biofilm, the colony has gotten organized, and it is it, more like a city, it's got a definite structure. It's got enzymes that protect it. It's way more, it's bigger. Uh, it has developed itself into an organization that um, promotes its own survival. So... Um, a biofilm so is like it, a fortress. Yes. Yes. And as such, it is much more difficult to get rid of. You won't... Just antibiotics are, are, it's harder to kill it. What you need to do for a biofilm is a lot of things, um, but EDTA, that chelating agent, EDTA, really helps break down a biofilm. And other things, Cheetosan, something that comes from the shellfish, from the shells of shellfish, there, there are several things that will break down a biofilm, but mostly you have to do it really carefully because it's a big, a big clump of bacteria that um, uh, to break that down and dump all that metal into the person's gut at one time is really a non-optimal thing. Absolutely. Okay, and
2: when we come back from break, we're going to pick up with this. And just to remind our listeners, whenever you undertake any significant intervention, uh, you want to do it with careful medical monitoring. And we will be right back with Dr. Nancy Mullen at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, EnzoMedica. We'll be right back.
4: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carroll's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now, back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: We're back with Dr. Nancy Mullen, and before the break, we were talking about biofilm and how it is vital that um, this be addressed under the uh, close care of a, a physician who is uh, very well versed in uh, all matters of autism, the real underlying physiological issues in autism. Um, in other words, yeah, don't try this at home. Uh, you want to be really careful with these bacteria and uh, detoxification And Dr. Mullen, what messes up good flora or the ability to excrete the metals? Does that have something to do with the biofilm or the antibiotics that you were just talking
3: about? Um, What messes up good flora are a whole host of things like antibiotics and then, of course, the host's immunity, the patient's immunity. There is... There are problem flora all over the place, and you get it on your hands, and you put, and and it's on your food, and really, um, your body has to kill that stuff. The first thing that's supposed to kill it is stomach acid. But if you're not producing stomach acid for any reason, or if your immunity is impaired, you're not gonna you're not gonna kill this flora. Then it's gonna get down into your gastrointestinal tract and start to grow there. What the way I deal with this is, I always start by correcting the diet because obviously, if you have a refined sugar laden diet, um, it's going to grow, it's going to grow uh, the wrong flora and the, the wrong flora like crazy. Antibi- so I start with diet, and first I get out, get the junk out. You know, the processed food and the junk food and um, and also remove gluten and casein. And then I remove any foods that the patient has an allergy to because they, an, aller, an allergic reaction to a food suppresses your immune system and allows the overgrowth of problem organisms. Um, and only after that do I start with probiotics, and then after probiotics, then I do a comprehensive stool analysis to see what bugs are there and how bad it is, um, and then I will start with antibiotic herbs alternating with probiotics. But but in order to get anywhere with this, um, you really have to have the patient's body. By this time, we're down the line now a few months, and... Um, The patient's body has to be be properly supported with good foundational nutrition or it won't have the nutrition to run the pathways to do the things that, that we're asking it to do that it's wanting to do. You know, the body's immune system in good shape will try to get rid of these organisms that have metal in them that don't, that don't register with the body as a normal organism. You know, once, you're, once a bacteria takes a metal into it, your body is saying, what's this? It's not the same thing I knew. I used to know bacteria, but this is a strange aberration on a bacteria, and your body starts to mount a response to it. Same thing with inside your cells. If metals start to in- attach to the cell walls of, say, thyroid, a lot of, I'm I'm pretty convinced, I, I have no um, scientific uh, information that backs this up, but that it's always been one of my going theories that metals definitely, this is known, that they attach to structures in the body. They attach to cell walls and they attach to, um, structures in the DNA of the of the cell, and once that happens, that's not a normal cell anymore, and then the body mounts an autoimmune response to it. Uh-huh. So getting rid of these metals is pretty key, but you don't do it all at once. You so- do it over over a period of time. Uh, it may the more metal in the body, the faster it'll come initially. But it's a process that takes years, but that's okay because um, you know we've got, as I talked about before, we've got aluminum dropping down from the sky on us. Um, and, and in vaccines. Did, uh, hmm? And in vaccines. And in vaccines. And all over the place.
2: Yeah. All I, over the... When when they allegedly decreased. Uh, mercury, in some vaccines, they had to up the, alu- they upped the aluminum. In, Which is uh, really car- bad. Yeah. Really- Sorry. I would imagine that uh, you wouldn't want to do this uh, terribly quickly because the body needs time to adjust and handle the detoxification
3: process. Right. That's why I just start with diet because correcting the diet um, will kill a lot of problem bacteria. You just start with diet, and then after that, after after they're on the diet and they've gotten in, the improvement that they're going to get from that, then I put in probiotics and, and we see what happens then. And after that, um, and and I will, of course, also be giving some nutritional foundation, some, you know, vitamins and things. Um Uh, along the way, but But it's only after. hmm? You're
2: cleaning up the gut first so that you're not actually, so the nutrients don't actually end up
3: feeding the bad bacteria that were there? Yes, and also cleaning. I mean, if you're just changing somebody's diet and that produces a radical change in the person, well, it's pretty convincing to the patient or the patient's parents that diet is important and diet is foundational. It's the foundation of any any healing that you're going to get. So, um I I do that first and I pretty I'm pretty careful about making sure that that has happened because other than that, you're going to be chasing your tail and it's and I don't want patients to do a lot of expensive tail tail chasing when they haven't got a fundamental in place. Abs- yeah,
2: absolutely, because then it's like you know, throwing good money after something and you haven't taken care of the, the first order of business. So, for example, carbohydrates and sugars, uh, clostridia feed on those, right? So if you – and clostridia makes you do all sorts of things behaviorally. Um, so if you get rid of the, uh, the, you know, the bad carbs and the sugars uh, first, then
3: you're going to see – you should see improvement right away. Is that correct? You do. You should, and and but a lot of people can't relate. It's like it's easier to get people to change their religion than it is to change their diet, really. Um, uh, when you get rid of car- bad carbs and sugars, um, you already start to knock back the size of those bacterial, either the biofilm or the colonies of bacteria. You start to knock that back already. So you're doing things in a a gentle kind of way. Um, it's 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 much some some little kids, the youngest the youngest ones, can get better just with dietary change and um, dietary change and some foundational vitamins and you'll see them slowly progress out of it. It's wonderful. Yeah I had, kids, it's gonna be easy. But anyway. I,
2: I interviewed a woman a mom years ago who who staved off autism and her daughter by removing gluten and removing uh,
3: dairy, casein. Absolutely, those are. It's always wonderful when that happens, and I've seen that happen with really severe kids. Amazingly enough, I'm always very, very happy when that happens. But um, the parent has to get it what a good diet is. That's why I have copies of Dana. Uh, you know Dana Lake's lectures and other. There are if if you come come to my office and I get it that you really haven't got it with respect respect to what diet is, then um, there are links that I send you to lectures that uh, that are online that start to talk about this. The parent really has to educate themselves, or we're cooked. It's not at all. Like allopathy, main, it's not like mainstream medicine where you go in and they give you a drug and you go home and take the drug and you get better. It's not like that. This is like a lifestyle change and something that you have to have to work at. it. And, and the best uh, outcomes happen with patients whose parents uh, can get the concept of a good diet. There are many gluten-free, casein-free foods out there that are very good, but just that that's not the same as eating whole foods, that's eating it.
2: food, right? Yeah, that's it. And I I should mention that, that soy is a problem, too, for a lot of the kids. Um, it's just, you know, you're talking about foundational Dr. Mullen and a lifestyle, but it's it's just common sense, logical eating. If you go, if you remove these foods that are acid producing, that are acidic, like the the breads and stuff, um, and go towards the alkaline diet, okay. that is naturally good for the body.
3: Right, right. It it, it is common sense. Common sense, however, as in in mainstream medicine, has been thrown to the winds. <laughs> And um, you find very little of it. Mostly you find people trying to omnipotently overcome disorders with pharmaceuticals, and it's crazy, and um, uh, it doesn't help. the, The other thing I do is I really encourage things like diets that have that, include cultured foods if you if a child has a really bad gut and and you can tell from the history the mom had antibiotics at birth you know birth is when um, the baby first gets colonized with bacteria and it's the mom's bacteria that they get colonized with um, and there are indicators that 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 child coming down, like if the mom is put on antibiotics at birth, that's going to change her flora, and that's going to change the flora that the child gets initially inoculated with, and it is inordinately, disproportionately important. Um, it, okay,
2: we're okay.
3: coming after a break.
2: We're going to get a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some more about aluminum, and then we're going to connect us with seizures. Here's the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness
0: Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoff for 21st Century Medicine. We will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Back to Autism One A Conversation of Hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now, back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: Hi, we're back with Dr. Nancy Mullen, and we are going to be talking about aluminum and we're going to tie this in with seizures. So Dr. Mullen, what studies in particular have tied aluminum with seizures and with aberrations in myelination?
3: Well, um, first of all, let me uh, let me talk about glutamate. Okay, glutamate is a protein. It is a um, it is an neuro. It's an excitatory neurotransmitter. Okay, it gets nerve cells. Um, Stimulated as opposed to inhibited. It's it's a it's a predominant um, protein in the in the blood and in the body. It's a very important pivotal protein. But um, when aluminum, but glutamate, too much glutamate, like monosodium glutamate (MSG), is known to cause problems. That's the same stuff, glutamate. and in too high concentrations, it is well known to get the neuron firing without rest, and then the neuron dies. Okay, so elevated glutamate is well known to produce toxicity uh, and and affect neural cells. But then there's also when aluminum attaches to glutamate, it, part- it starts. Glutamate mediated excitotoxic neuronal injury. It increases the toxicity of glutamate. So that's how, that's one of the ways in which, and probably, I'm not, I don't know that it's the most important way that aluminum causes seizures, but aluminum has been known to cause seizures in experimental animals for, since the at least the 1950s. The first article that I have on it um, is called Threshold Studies on the Production of Experimental Epilepsy with Aluminum Cream. And that's from 1955, and all they had to do was um, feed these, it was rats, I see, rats that they did this to. They just fed them aluminum in, you know, low doses, and the rats got seizures, um, The, then, and they, the conclusion of this article was aluminum cream induced, it was done transdermally. So they, it was aluminum cream that they put on the, these, the the rat's belly. Aluminum cream, this, I'm sorry, this study was monkeys. Aluminum cream induced epilepsy in the monkey offers a vast opportunity for further study of the basic mechanisms of epilepsy. So um, they've known since the 50s, and this has not been contested. You know, these basic elements like mercury and aluminum and things that that exist as elements in the earth crust. these have been well studied um, because they were the things that have been used in medicine for centuries. So we so obviously mercury toxicity was known well well before the twentieth century, let alone the twenty first. The Mad Hatter, for example, uh, Lewis Carroll. Um, everybody knew about merc- mercury toxicity. Um, and same with aluminum. The impact of these elements had been studied and is well known. It's just it's just that. Um, humans cannot resist uh, trying them yet again for yet another purpose. For example, the reason aluminum is in vaccines is, it, is, it, is because it is an immune system stimulant. And uh, al- without aluminum in it, the vaccine would not excite an immune response. So they put aluminum in it, and meanwhile... What happens is you get all kinds of inflammatory uh, inflammatory reactions, especially in the central nervous system. These inflammatory reactions involve TNF-alpha, a really potent, really problematic inflammatory chemical, which lasts for 10 months in the brain. It lasts for about nine hours in the bloodstream, about nine days in the liver, a week in the liver. But in, this, in the central nervous system, because of the blood-brain barrier and how difficult it is to get things into and out of the central nervous system, it lasts for 10 months. So now if you have some, okay, something in your body that excites TNF-alpha or aluminum in your brain, that is causing excess glutamate excitotoxicity and you're having um, an inflammatory reaction and TNF-alpha release, then that, that uh, inflammatory cytokine lasts 10 months there. What if a week later you have another episode um, of whatever it was that excited the initial release of TNF-alpha? you'll be going on, you will have so many overlapping episodes that you'll never get out from under the the impact of the inflammatory cytokines in your brain. That's why. Can can you
2: explain to our listeners what excitotoxicity looks like? What it looks like?
3: Yes, what is it doing?
2: What do we mean when we say excitotoxicity?
3: What is the effect upon
2: neurons and
3: such? Okay, when a normal human being goes to a Chinese restaurant and eats monosodium glutamate and they get a headache, or when a normal human being overdoes it on sugar and they get a headache, Um, that is is, uh, a nerve cell. Those are nerve cells that have been irritated, and they're now inflamed. And excitotoxicity, especially glutamate excitotoxicity, looks like a nerve cell being stimulated, 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 stimulated until without rest, until it dies, okay? Either dies or it just cannot recover from that kind of stimulation. Normally, any cell, like think about your muscles. You can work your muscles and at a certain point you work them to exhaustion You cannot move that muscle until it's rested for a while. You have to just cool it uh, and let that muscle recover. Okay. Well, the nerve cell, it's it's the same thing. You have to, um, that nerve cell has to be stimulated to the correct amount and then allowed to rest so it can recover. Well, what glutamate does, and it's worse when glutamate is, when aluminum is present with the glutamate, what happens is the nerve cell is excited into um, excited, stimulated, stimulated, stimulated so much that it cannot recover. It dies. And then, um, and as if that's not bad enough, when a nerve cell dies, it releases inflammatory cytokines. So now you have the original cause, which is the glutamate, or the aluminum-associated glutamate, then the nerve cell dies. Now you have a secondary thing causing inflammation, which is this dead cell in your brain that was not biologically scheduled to die for years. Um, and, uh, and that uh, excites inflammatory cytokine excretion. And so now you really have processes going on that um, you that you want to interfere with the root cause, usually what doctors do is they just start with chemicals. They start with, understandably enough, I mean, seizures are scary, but along with the pharmaceuticals, you got to really start changing what's going on in the gut, start finding out what the aluminum content in this patient's body is, you know, that other metal content, and you've got to start, with the underlying cause, and then gradually you should see the patient's head clear up, and you should be able to withdraw those pharmaceuticals slowly over time as this gets corrected over time. And, um, we, we do see patients recover, but, um, okay, uh,
2: we need to can
3: get discouraged anyway. We
2: need, we need to cover two more questions. And the first question has six parts. So we're going <laughs> uh-huh. to kind of take a break in the middle here. Okay. And and um, after this one, we need to tie this on back to the gut and see how we get from point A to point B. We know that aluminum affects things like the cholinergic system, mitochondria, oxidizes glutathione and B12. Um, this feeds into taurine depletion. Uh, it. Uh, just enzymes are affected and calcium regulation is affected. Let's talk about those
3: things. Woo. Um, okay, so aluminum, aluminum is pro-oxidant, so it causes oxidative damage and free radical formation. You need B12. B12 functions best in a reduced state, so okay. you're, you're knocking back. You're, if you have aluminum on board... You're impairing your B twelve function. Glutathione, that very important um, antioxidant and heavy metal detoxifier, the major antioxidant and metal heavy metal defier, uh, detoxifier in the body, um, is also oxidized by aluminum. So, so it puts glutathione in a in a bad spot. It puts it in an oxidized state. Then there's methionine. Methionine is a really important amino acid. Let's say the first among equals of amino acids because it has a methyl group and a sulfur group, and it's really important for methylation cycle function. So Methionine is actually a free, a reactive oxygen species um, scavenger. It's, it actually acts as an antioxidant. So if you have too much pro-oxidant around, like aluminum, um, then your methionine doesn't, your methionine gets oxidized and cannot get, there. there's an enzyme in the cell that, changes oxidized methionine back into reduced methionine and that enzyme doesn't work as well. All right,
2: we'll pick up with this when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you finding fitness a chore? Is health and nutrition too time-consuming for you? It doesn't have to be like that at all. Tune in to Fit Fan for Fun Lifestyle Fitness with your host, Shira Litwack. Every week, Shira and her guests will show you the fun side of fitness. We'll invite you to send topic suggestions and questions via email, as well as call into the program. You'll get sensible fitness and nutrition advice in a relaxed and fun program. You won't look at fitness as an enemy ever again. Fit Fan for Fun airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on
1: the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're
2: back with Dr. Nancy Mullen. And by the way, her website is NancyMullen, dot nancymullenmd.com. And before the break, we were talking about B12, glutathione, and methionine, and just very briefly, Dr. Mullen, how do these end up up being oxidized, and what's the bad
3: result of that? Well, um, B12, for example, functions in many places, but probably one of the most important places that we look at is B12 needs to be present in the reduced state in order to transfer a methyl group, from, for, in order for that methionine cycle to function, right, in order for methionine synthase to put a methyl group back on homocysteine and change it into methionine again, you need um, methyl tetrahydrofolate so, and, and you need reduced B12. So if all the B12 around is oxidized, you will not be able to get around that methylation cycle and produce methyl groups. Methyl groups are really important for DNA formation, RNA formation, protein metabolism, phospholipid, like like uh, neurotransmitter formation for um, brain cell wall uh, integrity and ability flexibility. You need methyl groups, as you, you must be aware. Then glutathione, glutathione is the body's main antioxidant main and main toxin and heavy metal remover. But it has to be in a reduced state to do this. So if you have pro-oxidants around, if you have aluminum or mercury or other reactive oxygen species around, glutathione will become oxidized and then it will not be useful. Uh, you need a lot of NADH, which is a, one form of, of niacin, which is a form of vitamin B3, in order to pre- protect glutathione uh, and get it back into its reduced state. So, and then methionine, same thing. It's very interesting that um, methionine, this very important um, Methyl and sulfur donor for the body also acts as a scavenger to scavenge free radical molecules. Well, then the the cell is supposed to have methionine oxidase uh, reductases enzymes. The cell is supposed to have enzymes. That will change oxidized methionine back into reduced methionine. Um, every, virtually all organisms from bacteria to mammals have several methionine oxidase reductases in their cytoplasm to provide this oxidative protection. And aluminum goes
2: in and messes them up too, messes up the enzymes that do these things. So basically in a nutshell, things like mercury and aluminum go in and, and create these bio biological, biochemical train wrecks, throw in these these vast monkey wrenches and and mess up major detoxification systems. Well how, how do we get really? yes. how do we get from the gut to the brain? So we've got these these gooey bacteria with their they cytoplasms, like little gooey Pac-Men, and they gobble up the metal, and the metal is genotoxic and attaches to the DNA and all that. But how do they get up to the brain? How do they get up to the brain where we because have the bacteria seizures?
3: Bacteria die; they're con- they're constantly. It's like flowers, you know, flowers bloom and fade, and the next flowers take over, and it's the same with bacteria. They have a life cycle, and when a bacteria dies it release, releases its metal into, if we're talking about the gastrointestinal tract, it releases its metal into the lumen, into the space inside the gastrointestinal tract. And then it is taken up in the bloodstream, and then it gets up into the brain. Okay, so here we have a
2: gut-brain connection. And, and one of the reasons that it's so vital that you clean up the gut in order to take care of helping, think, helping functions in the brain. And this is ha- another way that the gut is related to cognition and behavior and function.
3: True? Yes. Yes. Okay. True. The best thing you can do is go out and find organically grown natural foods and bring them home and find ways to prepare them that you and your children honestly enjoy eating these substances so that you're not going out and eating nachos or you know junk so that your um that uh so that your gut starts to get normalized with good food and then you can build on that the real challenge is to not eat food that is going to perpetuate problem problems in your gastrointestinal tract. Eat food with good nutrition in it, food as it came from nature, so that your body can deal, your body will deal with the rest of this, unless you're really genetically out of whack. But for the most part, you can do an awful lot with vitamins and diet, and then after that, you know, digestive enzymes and probiotics. And, and then uh, you do not, you'll see that, they, that the patients who are well-disposed genetically will get better. Um, those who have epige- more issues with their genes or pro- more problem epigenetics, say they live in a house that's right next to a golf course and the golf course is spraying pesticides And chemical fertilizers all the time. You know, if you if you if you don't have a condition like that, then you'll see a lot of improvement come about just with changing your diet. Right. We we know that
2: autism is not well. The diagnostic label of autism is not a genetic epidemic because there, for one thing, there can't be genetic epidemics. But given enough poison and junk, everybody falls. So the best line of Defense is a good offense of uh, having a healthful diet, and uh, food is foundational. Dr.
3: Mullen, thank you so much for talking about this really
2: important topic today.
3: My pleasure. And don't forget that this information will be published in the the January issue of the Autism File, right? Right. You have an article in there with Dr. Amy Asco. Right.
2: And it's called, How Bacterial Imbalances May Predispose to Seizure Disorder, and also Um, Dr. Mullen will be speaking at the Autism One Generation Rescue 2011 conference next May, so please meet her there. Information will be posted in January at www.autismone.org. Dr. Mullen's website, again, is nancymullenmd.com, and she is located in sunny, warm Southern California, so you might want to come out here right now. Next week, Kristen's back with me and our guests. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, makers of fine digestive enzymes to complement your therapeutic diet. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health & Wellness channel.
5: Thank you.